Popcorn Heist is an interactive community of pop culture lovers that spans multiple mediums. We dive deep into TV shows and movies of the past, present, and future to bring you the hottest takes and the coldest truths. Do you have what it takes? Join the heist. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to an episode of Popcorn Heist, the podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Jake. Welcome back. Welcome back. Da, 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 da. I don't know what that was. It like started <laughs> as a Star Wars noise and then just turned into some sort of weird superhero comic noise. It, it's been a trend, I feel like, the past few episodes where we kind of just look at each other and just something will come out. But it doesn't, <laughs> no explanation for it. It's either a sound or a, a song or you never or know something we name our fans sometimes. Yes, poppers, kernels, heisties. You never uh, know what you recommended. <laughs> someone recommended to me corn stars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that one. Kind of love it, but <laughs> kind of love it, but a little inappropriate for. Yeah, for, we're, tr- for we're trying to keep you on your. T- we're trying to keep you on your toes here, popcorn heist. Um, <laughs> but that being said, for those of you who are joining us maybe for the first time, popcorn heist is a brand created by Nick and I to share our love for movie and TV content created by diehard fans. Popcorn Heist, the podcast, though, is a show where we can specifically nerd out about franchises we love the most, such as Marvel, Game of Thrones, Avatar, The Last Airbender, Disney, and in this case, Star Wars. So we release new episodes on Thursdays, and if you like an episode you listen to, we ask you to please give us a follow and a review wherever you're listening. And we'd be remiss if we also didn't mention the other podcast on the network called The Simps Guide to the MCU, where relationships, romances, and bromances of the Marvel Cinematic Universe are discussed with Alyssa and Kelly. And if you want more pop culture content like blog posts, rankings, brackets, and Tuesday trivia, visit us online at popcornheist.com or follow us on social media at popcornheist. Welcome. Join yes, the heist. sir. So we're back on Star Wars again. Love it. Never, Love never, it. never, never a bad thing to be back on Star Wars. I'm not complaining. Not know? at all. Yeah, we were behind on Marvel for a little bit, so we had to catch up on that. Uh, now we we got a bunch of Star Wars. Everything's coming out at the same time. I feel like the holidays are a hot time. It's almost like a, the an, not the antithesis, but like the the yin yang to summer movie time. There's just like tons of stuff coming out now. Um, yeah, and honestly, there's just always so much content coming out with the Disney Plus shows at this point. It's it's a doozy, man. Special presentations, uh, movies, shows. There's a yeah. lot. Movies. Uh, Marvel more like- than Star Wars, but Star Wars now too. Not yeah. complaining about Star Wars, Marvel maybe a little bit. <laughs> That's a topic for another for another time. <laughs> we've we've mentioned it many times in other episodes. Um, movies, though, I don't know if you're seeing Av- Avatar: The Way of Water this week, but I am very excited for that. So it's it's like going to be a nice break from our other fandoms. Not that I'm asking yeah. for oh, I have too to much of a break, but yeah, oh yeah, you do. Um, but today we're talking about Andor. Uh, it ended a couple weeks ago. But nonetheless, it was a really great show. Definitely got to talk about it as big Star Wars fans. And you might notice if you're watching on video, uh, even if you're not watching on video, we're about to introduce a guest right now who specifically requested to come on for Andor, which we really, I was really happy to hear because uh, we love to have guests on Popcorn Heist. It's the whole purpose why we started it, to get the fans' opinions out there. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Ty McHugh. That was a nice little rhyme right there. But... How's it going, guys? It's going well. How What's are you, up, man? Ty? Yeah. Welcome. Dude, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a little under the weather, so I'll apologize in advance for like nasally talk, but I've also got 
if you're seeing on video, I've got my popcorn here and ready, which kind of disappointed Jake and Nick. You guys don't have it, but you know. We as, used to. Yeah. We were it's a lot to manage with the popcorn. <laughs> we yeah, used to have popcorn, but then if I had it, you could definitely hear me chewing because I chomp like crazy. Because yeah. I, I can't I'll have get it like really good. Hum, hum, hum. Really good, like cold and popcorn ASMR for this podcast. For you guys. <laughs> Love it. But um, yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I um, a little Star Wars, I guess, background on me. I, I I think I got into it as a kid, honestly, from Lego Star Wars, the video game. Great game. Like that was like the original. Like, no, I like knew about Star Wars, but I hadn't seen the movies. And I played the games, and I was like, oh, these are so cool. And then watched the movies afterwards, and it was like, oh my god, like they did like so much justice to it or whatever. And, like the the 2005 PS2 version of Lego Star Wars or whatever. <laughs> wait, um, wait, did you, were you saying that the movies did justice to the games or the games did justice? <laughs> I think the games, <laughs> they definitely did Lego justice, you know? Um, no, like it was, it was just cool. Like how, how well I understood the plot from the Lego games and then like watching the movie, it's like, Oh, like, I don't know. Weird, weird tangent. But um, yeah, kind of, kind of been like a, a pretty, a pretty, general fan like i wouldn't say i'm diehard i wouldn't say i'm like a passive fan but i'm like somewhere in the middle um when the whole disney purchase of star wars came like i think i like many other people are really excited and hopeful and i thought force awakens awakens was really great i thought rogue one was awesome and then everything else is pretty i don't know for me it it didn't it didn't land or like it at least took everything in a different direction like it, it just felt like it was becoming like Disney-fied, like kind of like how MCU is kind of becoming like a specific type of action, like entertainment, like roller coaster type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, still kind of cool, but Boba Fett, uh, or not Boba Fett, sorry, the Mandalorian. I, I was I was kind of into for the first season. I know I talked with Jake a little before. But I need to apparently get back onto it because it gets significantly better in the second season. But um, even that first season still kind of felt like this. This feels like a trend of like trying to get like at the member berries a lot oh, for, yeah. for these shows yeah, yeah and for sure. i i kind of didn't bother with Bo- book of boba fett i I've, I've kind of watched half of obi-wan and even that feels like i honestly have watched more of the there's like a there's like a fan edit of the obi-wan show that like slices in like original music from the original trilogy and it cuts out like some of the cheesy stuff from the show mm. and i might finish I might finish with that edit instead of the original show. <laughs> um, but Andor was announced. And honestly, I honestly wasn't like expecting too much when I started. I was just like, oh, like, you know, Rogue One prequel, like that should be cool. And the first few episodes to me were kind of slow. But then like, I don't know. I don't know when it happened, but I was immediately like sucked in and like every episode, like my jaw was dropping. And there's a couple episodes where I was like yelling at the TV because I was so excited with what was happening. And I was like, something special is happening here. And uh, that should that's probably a good segue into our conversation. Yeah, I mean, so would you say it's your favorite uh, Disney era Star Wars project or is that going too far? Okay, it would, would definitely that's definitely it. Um, it's just such a different take. And to me, I feel like this is like the modern take that we've been waiting for with Star Wars. Cause honestly, I rewatched Rogue One recently and I kind of, I didn't, I didn't pay enough attention to it as I should have. I kind of was like on my phone and like, I took two days to watch it cause I was doing other stuff, but it felt a little weird. I don't know how recently you guys have watched it, but it was very 
very true to the original kind of like soundtrack style. Like it felt very, I don't know if John Williams actually did the music for Rogue One. I think it was my, uh, Michael Giacchino that did it. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it felt very like John Williams. I still like, it was really cool how much like it felt like that kind of music from the original trilogy. Yeah. But it, like watching it again, it felt kind of weird. Like it was like the modern like cinematography, but like, like kind of like the cheeky John Williams, like, like the battle of Endor kind of music in some spots. And I was like, this is like a little weird. Um, I think like one thing I liked about Andor was it took like a very original like musical idea as like a soundtrack idea to it and I think that helped make it feel like its own standalone modern Star Wars adaptation. Yeah, it definitely felt like you were watching Star Wars at points but then it, it, at other times it was I I kind of forgot that I was watching a Star Wars related project for a while, which was nice. Yeah. Um Are you saying with Andor Jake event? or with Rogue One? With Andor, uh, with Andor, Ro- right. yeah. I, I agree with with what Ty's saying. Like, definitely, like all the factors play into like the whole experience, like the music, the cinematography. Like, you definitely feel like you're watching a Star Wars movie when you watch Rogue One, even though there's not really like Jedi mm-hmm. in it. But for mm-hmm. for example, obviously Darth Vader is a big character. Um, but yeah, that Rogue One's probably Rogue One's one of my favorite Star Wars movies in general. My, not even Disney era. It's like top three for me. I think it's just like. I at, at its core, Star Wars, like, if you hear George Lucas and Dave Filoni talk about it, they'll say it's, like, at its core, it's about family. But at its core, it's also just a war story, just about political turmoil and war at its core. And Rogue One, name. like, kind of, like, took it down to, like, what it's supposed to be about a little bit. Um, kind of let's move past what's beyond the Jedi and the Sith a little bit. And Andor, I think, really shows you, like... It shows you the, the 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 ends of the spectrum of like where you could take these projects. Whereas I, I agree with what you're saying before, Ty, is that like it's definitely become like sort of that MCU has become its own genre where they started to get stuck in this little uh, nook where it's like, all right, this is what you expect from like these kinds of projects. Whereas this is yep, you got the fan service, you got the mm-hmm. exciting exciting like action sequences in every show like episode and like checklists kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 I feel like, um, I don't know if this is my favorite. I don't think it is my favorite, uh, Disney era Star Wars project. Rogue One is probably my favorite one though. Um, but I do feel like it's a step in the right direction in the sense where I feel like Mandalorian kind of took a first step in the direction of like, we don't have to do the member berries and like the connection to everyone. And then season two, which was it did justice to it and it kind of makes sense because Mandalorian connects well to like the animated shows as well as the movies a little bit. Um, and it, it worked in Mandalorian season two, but at times it's like, what could have been if it tried to separate a little bit more. Um, and I, I feel like Andor did a great job of being like, this is its own project. We're not going to have like, we're not going to have like, Oh, look, here's this character from this project. It's like, focused on Andor, it's focused on Luthen. Mon Mothma is really the only, like, member character, and it's not just like, oh, here's this character. She actually has, like, a, a plot through line. Um, I love the mentions of, like, Palpatine and the Emperor, but he's not in it, which is a good thing. Um, I feel like it felt very, like, how is the Empire affecting the whole galaxy? Like, I like that all of these people are getting put into jail for unjust reasons, and, like, kind of willy-nilly the empire is just doing what they want and it really shows you how the oppression is like affecting the common people um i feel like at times it it felt really different from a star wars project which was a little like jarring 
like it, it just like the planets felt very different but i feel like that's a good thing I, I feel like they always fall back on like very similar planets like sand planet forest planet sometimes an ocean planet and i like that we got to see new planets uh new settings a bunch of new characters um i think luthan was like my favorite character in the whole show um, he's super cool Stellan yeah. Skarsgård so, is I, I don't great know. Was, in anything. Yeah. It was cool to see. Um, I feel like a lot of Star Wars is very like kid oriented, which is is not a bad thing. But it was cool to mm-hmm. see like really how much some people sacrificed for the rebellion as well. And you kind of get what Cassian was talking about in Rogue One, where he's like, "I sacrificed everything for the rebellion." Like you don't really see it in his character. I think you'll see more of that in season two. But you really see how much. Like Luthen sacrificed how much, Mon Mothma sacrificed how much, um, Lonnie, the the mouse in the intelligence. Oh, Luthen's guy oh, yeah, in the yeah. intelligence rat, committee, like rat. how much? Yeah, the rat, the yeah, he um, like how much he had to give up and how like anxious he was about his family all the time. It was cool to see like really how much people put in early on to like get this rebellion going. I thought it was a, a really a really cool take and took took it in a new direction. And I hope that Star Wars does go in the direction of like this is really the first project that doesn't connect super closely to the Skywalker saga. And I, I hope mm-hmm. we even get outside of the Skywalker saga eventually. Um, but I think this is like a step in the right direction. Yeah, because it's a whole universe, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to focus on just one little thing. I also liked how you were talking about like the sacrifice on each of these character arcs we're very focused on. And that just reminded me how this felt so realistic. Like you could like obviously there's so many parallels with like like real world political conflict and like police brutality, fascism kind of stuff. But I think during like the Aldani heist arc specifically, I remember noticing like these stakes feel so high. Because there are so many points in that arc and in every arc where they're constantly like, we can still back out of this now if we if we want to. Like, should we like like when when Cassian like joins the heist group and they're like, this is too late. Like, we we sh- we got to back out. Like, why are you trying to throw this guy in? And there are so many points where they're all like, should we even do this? Like, this is so risky. Like, I feel like it's easy in like a lot of these Disney area shows or just like any like, I don't know, action movie trope or show trope. They don't. They're just kind of like we have to do this like life threatening thing and like it's just like, it's going to be dangerous. It's it's <laughs> going to be dangerous. And then they just go do it and like people may or may not die. But like they really are like taking so much time to be like like guys like we 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 can still back out. Like they're in when um those two characters in the heist were like in the base. Like they're calling it like about to call in. They're like we can still drop if you want to. And it's like <laughs> like it feels so real that like they like take those risks very seriously like but at the same time it's all that the whole rebellion is like kind of on their shoulders that they need to do this for the greater good yeah so i I liked how that was emphasized yeah i think that speaks to a lot of the format of the show but i I think before we get any further into it i just want to put out a blanket spoiler warning for andor uh we haven't touched on many specific details but from this point on uh you've been warned (laughs) spoilers for andor (laughs) and uh we also forgot the quote uh, Yes, I was just going to pass it on to you, Nick. Wow, we all we went through our general thoughts before we got into the quote. Sorry about that, friends. So if you're new to Popcorn Heist or if you're a Popcorn Heist fan for a long time, here at Popcorn Heist, we start every episode with a quote. Jake and I were roommates in college. We bonded over quotes. Um, our friends get annoyed at us because we quote like the smallest thing in life. And 
the other one will immediately get it uh, most of the time. And if not, we'll like think about it for hours. Like, what what was that from? Um, so we bonded over quotes. For each episode, we choose – typically, we choose a movie or show quote. Sometimes it's from the subject material. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not even a movie or show quote. It's just a, sh- a quote we made up or a quote from outside. Uh, <laughs> um, so today, it is a quote from the subject material. And the quote is from the final episode, the season finale. And it's Marva, Cassian's adopted mother. And she says, fight the Empire. The reason we chose that quote is actually because – if you're looking on Twitter, you might have seen that um, rumor has it that that quote was actually supposed to be F the Empire. Bleep. Um, and Disney wouldn't let them do that. I don't know if that's just a rumor. I, I think they must have submitted the script, like, knowing that that would get taken out. Like, no one really thought that, that would end up being in the show. I mean, I guess they kind of had a brothel. But I, I think everyone knew that that was never going to be in the show. But maybe at some point it was discussed is how I feel. Yeah. And, I mean, she says it, like, ten times. So, <laughs> Oh, they had to have submitted it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it would have been. I, I think that was the right edit to make. I'll say it. Yeah. Because fight the empire is a call to action, and it's like the climax of this whole, whole speech that she's made. The empire is like, you know, it's like yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't have like a rally behind it as much. It's just kind of like yeah, we hate them, but like fight the empire is like we need to do something about it. I think it was like, the right edit too. Starts starts the riot. Yeah, I think so too. Maybe like, maybe it would have it would have been badass, but you know. maybe one f the empire. But I, I agree. Like yeah. this finale, really, I think the whole show, like Luthen, is kind of like really trying to like orchestrate. Like he's done like these little uh, rebel activity um, insurrections and stuff like that. Like throughout the galaxy, he's just kind of scattered around, and he was kind of hoping for like one of them to be like the big kick. Whereas like this, he kind of didn't even plan for, but I feel like that this finale was kind of like the big push. He kind of had no control over it, um, which is really cool. Um, and Nick, you said he was like one of your favorite characters. Like I loved him too. He was so cool. Loved that he was like, didn't care really about anybody and just was willing to make every sacrifice for the rebellion. Um, what's the guy? Anto Krieger, I think, right? He wanted mm-hmm. to pair with Saw Gerrera. He's like, well, like we can't warn him about that the ISB knows that he's coming because it's going to be sus. You know, mm-hmm. it's too bad that he's going to die, but like we all have to die at some point. Like I love that. And I, I, this might be a, a, not a cringe thing to say, but it's like a lazy thing, a lazy comparison, but I can't really think of a better comparison is like, this kind of felt like star Wars's game of Thrones to me because it like took the time to really dig so deeply into the political intrigue and like, the ins and outs of the empire side and then like scheming against each other. A character like Luthen is literally like a double crossing, like little finger almost to me or like a Cersei. Um, Mm -hmm. So obviously not a direct comparison, but that's like the best um, analogy I can make. Yeah. I I think Ty touched on it really well when he said like, you can feel the stakes are high in the show. I think that's true in the uh, Aldani heist. I think that's true in the prison. Like, the fact that all the prisoners are so unwilling at first to rebel against like there. And it takes, it took, takes what three, four episodes for them to get out of that prison, like, and get everyone rallied up. I think that really built up the stakes. And like, I didn't mind that they extended some of those storylines like that. I think the same is true for like Luthen and Mon Moth in the storyline too. I think the fact that they're so careful and like willing to sacrifice so many different things, it really builds up the stakes. Um, but I love Luthen. I feel like I need to watch a YouTube video of like all the Easter eggs in his little shop. I also love when he was like changing into his wig and he's like, 
oh, I'm getting like ready to like present. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I love him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love to see like a mastermind like that. And like, I feel like, like Ty said, it sometimes feels too easy in Star Wars. Like if you watch Rebels, literally every episode, they're like, let's put on an outfit and get in there and rob something. And like, it always kind of works right. out for them. Like sometimes they get captured, but it's like a literally a new heist every episode. And they're always pretty much fine. Um, so it was nice mm-hmm. to see the st- stakes were higher. And you could even say too the <clears throat> at the prison heist one, the stakes are different. Like mm-hmm. they they do like have the conflict. It's like should we do this? But they're gonna die in there anyways. Like yeah. that was like the key difference between like the Eldani heist and the prison break is like they're stuck in there and they're gonna die one way or the other because they found out nobody's getting out. So it was kind of easier for all of them to be like, well, we're either gonna die in here or we're gonna die trying to get out, and we'd rather die trying to get out. And then the Aldani heist, they can back out and just go back to their lives at any point they want. And li- there's like so much internal conflict with all of them. Yeah. I was just like, I didn't even notice that until just now as we started talking about it. But Yeah, that's a, you, you start to come up with new perspectives as you talk on the podcast, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Ty, uh, Ty, when we were talking about it last week, you were like, I like how the series is kind of split up into these three episode arcs, which is I, honestly, I, I like that it took that kind of Clone War style. Um, yeah. Uh, format and and i think it would really what made it super interesting what made it effective that you were so in that cause for the rebellion it kind of showed you like how the empire is affecting people from every possible perspective mon mothma you saw like the higher ups and people in the senate uh the first three episodes you saw like like the aldani heist you saw people who are actually like conducting heists and involved with the rebellion you saw from the perspective of prisoners who are unjustly thrown in prison in the end you see just common people rising up like you see it from every possible perspective and each way it's different and each way the empire is just like awful i love the whole prison uh reveal that they just transfer them to another prison when their sentence is up i thought that was how would like, that, I, I have a question about that how would that work though wouldn't someone just like tell everyone like i was just transferred from another cell and then, like, everyone no, I think like out. a completely different location. I think it was a uh, it was implied they messed up and they they mm. did an internal transfer. That's why they fried the whole floor. Well, if someone got transferred to that prison, mm. wouldn't that person just be like, "Oh, I just got transferred from another prison"? Everyone would be like, "Wait, what?" That's a good point. You know what I mean? So I don't know how that yeah, works. Like, why exactly. why is it like why hasn't that happened earlier? You're saying? Yeah, like, yeah, like I, like, I don't know that what ha- their plan that happened was every that time. No one would find out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a fair point. Maybe they get transferred to like. Some solitary work. I don't, I don't know. I, that confused me a little bit, though. Like how? Yeah, because how? how who knows how long that that like prison base has been going for? And surely some people, unless they had just started to do that, maybe they were releasing people, and this was like the first time they were like, "Guys, fuck it, let's just like put them back in." Who's gonna know? And, then, and that was like the first time. It well, happened. D- didn't they say that? They're that, dummies. Like, they <laughs> obviously like they would just tell someone. Yeah. They, right. Like, what do you think's gonna happen? Like. Didn't they, didn't they say that at one point they were like hint when he got thrown away, she, she was like, sorry, it's new rules. Like take it up with the emperor. Like, I think they mentioned that a few mm. times. They're like, oh, sorry, this is new. And then we got it when he got into gotcha. the prison. They're like, oh, did you hear about the new, uh, there was an acronym for it. Like the P-O-R-D laws or something like that. Oh, maybe the laws were put in place because of Aldani too. I know that the emperor like put in, into place a bunch of new laws. So maybe it had something yeah, to do with what- that. Maybe the first episode of the prison, they were asked, what was it they were asking Cassian about? They were like asking about some protocol or some law thing. And he was like, he doesn't know about it. He's like, I don't know. I, I didn't quite catch that, what that, that was. That's what I was referencing. It, that was the acronym. Yeah. I can't think of what it is, but I think yeah, that, so maybe those that was laws like were put new... into place because of Aldani. Right. So that yeah. was like kind of a ripple effect. And now they just started to like 
I guess it didn't really work out so well, did it? Yeah, (laughs) but maybe like Mm -hmm. they figure like, okay, the first floor is going to get fried, but like soon they're all just going to find out and what are they going to do about it? Like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I I think what they (laughs) they're going to get overrun is what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, like you said, like there's nothing that anyone can do about it if they wanted to, like they could just find a hundred thousand more people and just throw them in prison for no reason like they did to Cassian. You know, mm-hmm. even if like people find out and they have to fry a whole floor. Yeah. I, yes. I think I, I don't know. It seemed I, like a flawed plan to me. It, it was like a com don't you think it was like a common theme throughout the whole show? Where it was like it's so obvious, like we we can fight back against the Empire, but everyone's just too afraid to. Like the Empire's so arrogant, they think like they're not even listening to us because they don't think they could be defeated. Your arrogance blinds you, Master Yoda. Sorry. What <laughs> <laughs> um, um what do you guys think happened to Kino? I can't swim. Mm. I hope someone like helped him to shore. <laughs> Get him off the floaty. Do you think there was a lifeguard in that prison that could like swim all the way back? <laughs> someone could jellyfish him back. I could have jellyfished yeah. him back, you know? What's jellyfish? Like, grab his arms and like like if you grab someone's arm and like kick your legs, it like will help them get to shore. I did that to my brother oh, once okay. when his shoulder came out. When his shoulder that was came a long out, swim. Oh. I, I thought that was a, that was the most unrealistic thing in this show. That, like, was, that was like I was like a couple miles. Like that's I was like you guys are gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> like, we gotta swim and like yeah. everybody's jumping off. I'm like. Kino's not the only one that's going to drown. And I like. Yeah, I think a, a bunch of them probably drowned. Also, what's his name? Um, the guy who actually gets out with Andor is in Rogue One. Yes. He's like, he's like the, in the back. He's he? like one of the people that joins them when Cassian like is like, all these people are coming with us, Jin. He's like one of those people. That's really cool. Pretty sick. That's dope. So speaking of arcs also, what was like your favorite arc and what arcs did not? work for you as much mm, good question i think the first arc was the weakest for me oh yeah like just getting things started like you know it i think that's what turned a lot of people off to this show too they're like it's too slow and like it was a slow burn honestly i didn't the first time i watched it i didn't care about cassian's origin on like the the, the like mining planet mm. i was just kind of like okay yeah, he's like in a little tribe or whatever and then it's like oh he's they're going to investigate and they're all probably going to die. And I'm like, I don't know. Every time it cut to that, I like when I, when I first was watching the show, I was like, okay, like this shtick, whatever, like <laughs> that's his origin. Um, so yeah, I just thought that, that like, I don't know. I don't think that made the show that much worse though. Like, Let's go. You gotta, you gotta take the t- that's a good idea. Yeah. You gotta like take time to like set up your characters and set up yeah. all this, all this like universe that the show is trying to set up. I, I think yeah, I think it was definitely really slow and could have maybe been shortened. I feel like the main thing that they were also trying to set up there was that he's looking for his sister, but that never came back around. If that comes oh, back around in a future season, then I would say then that's definitely worth it. I, I'm all for like take a couple extra episodes, make it a slow burn because by the end, I feel like we we waited a while. It was like a good reward for what was going on. But going back to your question... Nick, I feel like the prison was probably my favorite arc um, because I feel like that also kicked into high gear. What's her name? Uh, Miro, Supervisor Miro in the ISB. Like her starting mm-hmm. to like gain more trust with the ISB and like start investigating and interrogating people. That was probably my favorite. Um, then the last three and then the Aldani heist, probably. 
Yeah, I the, honestly, I hated the first two episodes. I won't lie to you. I, I was like, this is so boring. Like, if they <laughs> didn't release the first three episodes in one week, it would have been tough to get through. I, I was like, mm-hmm. thank God. I, that, I think that's why they released all three in the first week. They were like, well, this is going to be really boring. Um, it was really boring for the first two episodes. The third episode was pretty good. Uh, I agree completely, though. I think the prison was my favorite. Um, was there even three episodes after the prison ended, or was it just like one or two? Um, I can't remember. It might have been two. Yeah. I, I like the ending, too. The ending was cool, him coming back. Um, and Aldani. I, I liked Aldani, but it was like, I was kind of like, oh, let's get on with like the actual stuff. Um, I feel like they were definitely, like, they wanted to focus on Andor a lot, and they were, like, throwing him around the galaxy, which was good, because it gave you that arc feel. And then Mon Mothma, Miro, and Luthen, like, had one storyline throughout the whole thing, where they each had their own arc that went the whole season. Um, Of those, I feel like Mon Mothma was, like, my fave. And I also like Miro, too. I love watching ISB meetings. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mira, Mira was really cool. The Mon Mothma was very reminiscent of um, the banking arcs in Clone Wars. I feel like, yeah, I yeah. like that. Also, also, what's his name? Uh, the cop. Uh, what's his name? Someone who lives with his mom. Yeah, he had like one arc throughout the whole show too. He was so annoying. I know. What you guys? What you guys think was his deal? Like, he was such an our little like incel cop guy. Like, what's your what's your guys' take on his character? He was annoying, like the first arc and stuff. But but I kind of liked, I, I liked seeing where he ended up by the end of the the season. Um, definitely think he has a weird thing for Miro, <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of. But um, creepy incel stalker guy. Yeah, but but I yeah. I, I really like to see like how like annoyed and how passionate he was about like this one incident. And I don't know, I I, I liked the way he grew to the end of the the, the, the season. He's weird. He's annoying. Um, I kind of liked watching his mom. Like, there's characters that I like when they're on screen, and whenever his mom was on screen, I was like, "Ha she's gonna roast him." <laughs> um, but I liked, I liked that him and Miro were not, and this, they might go into this in future seasons. I like that they were not like redeemed at the end. I feel like it's easy to do that whole like villain to hero arc, and I'm fine with that not happening for either of them. I feel like it's more likely for Cyril. I hope they don't do it with Miro. I like that she's like ISB to the core i think she's a good villain um but i'm happy they didn't go that route with either of them mm-hmm. yeah i agree i i wasn't i wasn't even really expecting that to be honest oh, maybe cyril but not miro i was expecting with cyril take, miro not so much my take on cyril is like it seems like like i feel like the 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 like mask of like his his deal is like he's obsessed with catching Cassian Andor and he wants to be like, you know, part of the ISB and like catch this criminal or whatever. That's what like, I feel like he's convincing himself that that's what he wants, but I feel like he's got this just, he's got like a power complex from this weird toxic relationship with his mom. And he just wants to like have this, you know, have this strong superiority in some organization. And that's, what's driving him to like, like he's convincing himself, like he needs to catch this criminal Cassian, but he really just wants to be like Dejamiro, and like, yeah, you know, he's probably he's probably like in love with her in like a creepy, like stalkery way as well. But he like he wants to have this like he has this power complex that's you know in the little corporate security, like he just wanted to boss everybody around and take charge, and then he wants to get involved in the ISB. So it's like it's a very interesting like power hungry 
kind of like journey. Oh, it's like, what does he really want kind of thing? Oh, definitely. And and to him, like Cassian's like scum and like for someone mm-hmm. like that to like take his whole life away, like that probably just like made him even worse. So mm-hmm. in, in that way, Mommy I think it's compelling. will get you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they always come back around, don't they? <laughs> Every time. It's the good. other thing I saw, I watched so many video essays. I don't know if you guys do this with like film and TV shows like, like on YouTube, just like oh, yeah. these YouTubers oh, who yeah. make like 20 to one hour YouTube essays. One mentioned that Cyr- Cyr- Cyril and Cassian are very parallel. Like their arcs are very parallel because they're getting radicalized by opposite ends of the rebellion. Cassian at the beginning is like, he's a loner. He wants to be like, just he's only fighting for himself, but he's getting radicalized by the rebellion as season one progresses and he's realizing no his mo- his adopted mother is like at the core against the rebellion and everyone that he knows and loves like needs to needs to rise up against them and Cyril's the opposite like he started in this corporate thing he's like power hungry but now he's like wants to be part of the the empire and the isb and he's trying to you know take take in get into that route of being a being a large figure in the in the empire yeah that's interesting yeah, i could definitely I see that. that i like mm-hmm. that though i do like that how did you feel about um like i really enjoyed cassian's relationship with marva i also like didn't quite get why she wanted to stay on the planet so bad at the time but then i think by the end of the show they really justified like how much of a community um i can't remember the planet's name ferrix what's the planet Ferex, like how much Ferex. of a community Ferex was and like how important of a person she was and like how they have all these traditions. I feel like by the end of it, they really like drove home the the family nature of that whole planet. So then I kind of got it by the end. But I, I really liked her, like how she took Cassian in and like was pretty much his adopted mother and they like drove that home throughout the show. Um, I liked her a lot. She was very cute and also kind of a badass. She was. She was. Her speech in the finale was was awesome it was so yeah. cool like you, you know when you just like feel i'm gonna make another analogy because i can't help but make analogies to other uh franchises mm-hmm. but you know like ty i don't know if you're a, a big mcu fan as much as you are star wars but like when endgame came out like you were in that like you you felt the the gr- your stakes were just as high the, you, <laughs> you felt the grief that they were going through like you wanted them to succeed like in that finale, when she's making that speech, you like really feel it. You're like, yeah, like sign me up. I'm joining the rebellion. Like I'm going to fight the mm-hmm. empire right now. But- I have another comparison, Jake, to an MCU movie. It's like Winter Soldier when Cap gives a speech and you're like, yes, oh, what? <laughs> I, I like, I, I, I like that speech at the end a lot. And I don't know. It, it also like got Cassian to where he needed to be by the end of the episode to like Marva died and that's what she wanted and like he has seen so much of the empire's oppression now that he's like ready to join the empire i'm also glad that they like took him on side missions the whole season rather than like oh aldani i'm ready to join the rebellion now like i like that they brought him on side missions and then the at the like it took him all of that to get to be a part of the rebellion mm-hmm. yeah i i agree i think that was better than after the aldani heist him just being like oh i'm in the rebellion now you know? Yeah, I thought that's it where they were the gonna go. Yeah, it was the end of the opposite. He literally like 
killed uh, one guy and was like, I'm taking my cut and I'm getting the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah, you and can see like, he's okay, a good we're guy. Hunt you down and kill, we're gonna, they're like, we're going to kill you then. And he's like, fine. He's like, I'm just going to run away. <laughs> like, do you think it was a dumb decision for him to go to Luthen at the end? Like, what do you think his his motivations were there? Do you think he knew, like, this guy's not going to kill me? Like, when, like, the final moments when he's just like, yeah, go ahead, do what you got to do. Shoot me. I think... I think he knew Luthen was scrap for good people. And I think by like coming to him, he knew like if he presented himself that Luthen would not kill him. And I also think like he, he knew Luthen would keep looking for him if he didn't do something about it anyway. Mm. So Luthen gets his way one way or another. And that was kind of Luthen's first interest in Cassian was like, he had that hunch about him. Like he mm-hmm. kind of knew the like groundwork that had set up Cassian's life and like knew so much about him. He's like, on paper, you should be, like, like a rebellion person. And then him kind of, like, running away after the Aldani heist, he was kind of like, all right, we, we should kill him. But then maybe, like, after the whole finale, Cascade of Events, and, like, the rebellion and Ferrix and everything, maybe that, like, changed his perspective on Cassian a little bit. And he was like, I don't, like, what do you think happened there? Like, because you're right, he, he probably was still in the mindset of we got to kill Cassian. Yeah, like, I I, I agree with, with what you said, Nick, that, like, yeah, probably Luthen would have kept searching for him, so he's like, I might as well just present myself. But I think he's, as much as, like, he's a hard ass, I think Luthen's got a soft spot, Tim, a little bit. I think you're right, Ty. I think him seeing how much he has, like, the rebellion built in him from his core and being, re- like, uh, Marva's adopted son and seeing that speech from Marva he probably is like, mm-hmm. I think he has a little bit of soft spot. I think that broke, broke in, broke his shell a little bit. And he's like, I'm going to keep this guy around. Like, I'm yeah, gonna, I think the break speech my from Marva was important as well. Like he saw the speech from Marva. He's like, clearly he's going to want to respect his adopted mother. Like Luthen's a smart guy. He could put that together. He, yeah. I think he could be like, and also he's the, ready. The fact that they were the entire S- ISB squadron was there to capture Cassian. Like, that was the whole reason they were there and that they scheduled the funeral. It was like, we're trying to, we're literally trying to bait Cassian. And the, the, that was like what Luthen was there for too, because they wanted to kill him before they could capture him. So the fact that like all of that happened and, and then afterwards, Cassian's just like, I'm right here and I want to join. Like, <laughs> imagine Luthen's perspective. He's just like, how the f- did you just like, like how did all that happen like he sent his friends off and he's like i want to join he's like damn this this badass motherfucker like yeah you're yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah it definitely probably gave him some respect for for cassian for some sure street cred yeah definitely um i wanted to talk about the isb for a little bit because i feel like correct me if i'm wrong but this is definitely the first time we've seen them or seen any of their meetings, right? The only other time they've been mentioned is with Moff Gideon in Mandalorian, right? That he's an ISB member. I'm not sure if they've <laughs> been mentioned before. They may have been. I know we've seen like their agents before. I think if they're wearing like the white okay. or ISB or connected somehow. And um, I, I love the, the Admiral Yularen show up, like the guy who narrates Clone Wars and is in Rebels and Wait, eventually sitting did in I miss hope. that? It's like did the I guy above. It's the guy, like, remember when the guy above, um, I can't remember his name, the guy who's in Game Major of Thrones. Major Partagas? Yeah. It's like, 
the guy comes in and like gives a speech to everyone. He's in one scene. He's like, he was a rebel admiral in Clone Wars. He narrates like the previously yeah, yeah. on Clone Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up being part of the Empire and he is in uh, A New Hope. He's like sitting at the table. There's like a guy, like kind of like a Rex type oh. thing. It's like, oh, look, that guy's Admiral Elon. Like, backfill. Damn. And he was did he have in... any speaking? He, yeah, he, he like gives anything? the whole ISB a speech. This was after the Aldani oh heist. God, I got... They all, yeah. they all like went like, we gotta figure this out, mm-hmm. and then they bring in him. I gotta look back at that. That's so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a very shit. tasteful Easter eggs in this show. Yes, like, it wasn't and not too heavy. Like, not like a so Katano. Like... <laughs> As, yeah, much right. as, as much as I love to see her, but Luke Skywalker, a little yeah. Easter egg. Yeah. Like, that's literally just like not that I don't love that at Star times, Wars. But <laughs> yeah, not yeah. for this show. Um, I do. I mean, I don't know if this is really needed, but I really enjoyed that they spoke about the Emperor, like you said, Nick, but without actually showing him. I was a little confused why he wasn't at the Senate meeting. Um, because he doesn't care like, about the Senate anymore; they're powerless. I know, He's like but, slowly like he, chipping away at their power. Is that why, like, they're just not around in the original trilogy? In A New Hope, they say in the scene, they're like, I just got word that the Imperial Senate is no longer, like, has any power. Like, now governors will rule over each area. Like, he's been slowly chipping away at the Senate's Uh... power, so I don't think he really, like, needs them. Um, And that's why kind of, like, she's like, who still believes that this place is a temple and no one's really listening because I don't think anyone really cares sure mm-hmm. palpatine's like filling their pockets and like corrupting all them and stuff like that so Word. Um, okay. i don't think the senate has that much sway um and i i think it's better that they didn't show palps yeah but that was the only scene where i was like i could see him being here but i like that they mentioned him a lot but it didn't feel mm-hmm. forced it like felt very like they were talking about him and like you you got to hear what the common people think about the emperor a lot more and i really I'm hoping, I don't know if, but I don't want them to force it. It would be really cool. I've always wondered, I wonder what the common people say about Darth Vader or do they know who he is? Like this guy, if you think about it, like this guy just like comes out of thin air, like because nobody, barely anybody knows that Anakin is Darth Vader and just one minute Anakin's there and the next minute Darth Vader's there. He just kind of appears out of nowhere. I really wonder what the common people are saying, like, Oh, the Emperor's lapdog, or you better be careful, like, Lord Vader's gonna come and, like, enact the Emperor's justice or something like that. Like, I would I would appreciate a little bit of that, like, just thrown in there in future so seasons. I, I think it's realistic for them to be talking about the Emperor, right? Because it's, like, in real life, how often do people talk about, like, the President and, like, everything that goes on, they're like, oh, the administration, the President. I don't mm-hmm. know how much the common people know about Vader. I'd like to hear, like, not them be like, oh, the cyborg guy. Like, I'd let, rather than be like, oh, there's like a shadow that's like <clears throat> sent on people that's like cutting people down, but not really touch on it any more than than that. I don't want him to. I don't think he like pops out at like political meetings and it's like, hey, everyone. No, not, not like <laughs> just like standing in the corner, just like breathing, breathing heavily. <laughs> he's doing sit stuff. He's not doing political stuff. I feel like around this time, you think he's just doing training. You think? I think he's doing Sith stuff. He's like hunting down the Jedi. Like he's he's more focused on like the Force side of things, and like okay. team is more focused on the Empire. You know what I mean? Word. Yeah. Like the Inquisitors don't get involved in politics. Like they're not going to come in to That's... get Andor. They only come in to get Jedi. I think Vader is more so like similar to them. That's right. Like they're yeah, a little yeah. bit the enforcement, not necessarily the 
the ISB politics of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, not not like in a political setting, but like if they're talking about how they would like reprimand like some rebels or like send someone out, they'd be like, oh, what about like the emperor's lapdog will like go after them or something like that. Or I don't know, just like a nice little comment would be would be nice. But be down. that's I'm, I've always wondered that what the common people think or if, if they know anything about him. But I, mm-hmm. I digress. Um, I wonder if we'll see it in season two, because I don't know if you guys know, it's only going to be one more season. It's only a two season show. I thought it was going to be, well, at first it was going to be five seasons, then three seasons, but now it's two. I, I think, think it's, it's just going to be two. I, th- I heard and four and two. I don't know. Wow. I think the, I think I remember seeing the director of the show saying season two is going to take place over like five years or something. Like there's going to be some time jumps and it's going to go right up to when Rogue One starts. Okay. Is how, is how it's going to be structured, which I think is good. Cause I don't like, you know, it's, it's, it's just good for one thing that they're like setting, setting a, an end like end point because we all know how off the rail shows can go is if they just keep trying to renew so if, you, if they've got a if they've got a set vision like i'm i'm on board like i trust that he'll get it done yeah i'd be fine um, with them extending the show more than two seasons though actually i'm usually I, I agree with you i like an end point but if they originally had like a four season thing laid out then i'm fine with them going longer i feel like this show could go on a long time but either way i mean it's gonna be good it definitely way. could I would too, but you know, at the risk of like having more slow episodes, like that first three episode True. arc, like maybe that this was them cutting the fat, so they're like, okay, let's make sure each arc is like exactly the length it should be. Mm-hmm. I agree. No, I I I agree with both of you. Like I I like an endpoint, um, but I also do think it, it could go like three to four seasons for sure. Um, I I don't know. I I think another question I wanted to ask you guys is i think a large reason for why this was so good is because it's something we've been asking for you know like make the episodes longer than 25 minutes make it more episodes than six to eight episodes um do you think that like that this format would work though for other star wars shows or do you think it has to be like this very specific type of approach that andor was trying to reach for like do you think this would work for something like the mandalorian or like and Obi-Wan. How long were Mandalorian episodes again? Anywhere from like 25 minutes to 45 minutes. I think they're okay. usually like 30 to 45. I don't know. <laughs> I, the Mandalorian, if they're just going to give me more side quest episodes, then no. Like, I'd rather a three-episode arc of something I'm invested in than like him landing on a planet and finding a side quest and then doing the side quest and then the episode's done. I'm done with that. I don't need more of that. If they're going to give me longer mm-hmm. arcs, then I'm good with that. If they want to give me like him on Mandalore for three, four episodes, that's cool him on like a longer side quest that the stakes are higher then that's cool too so i think Mm -hmm. it depends on how they go about it if they continue mandalorian the way they are then i don't need any more side quests i think this format might exclusively work for this show like andor because the characters are so well written and just like overall the show like can can lean on dialogue and writing so heavily because you can't have like action sequences in like every episode or every show but like this show can just like have you super super invested in just like i don't know like cassie and talking talking with the heist people for an episode not even like doing the heist and it's like interesting like you're learning about all of them mm-hmm. and i feel like you can make like like the fact that they make like they made these 50 minute episodes or just dialogue 
and it's still like invest like worth the investment. I don't know. I don't know if a show like uh, not just like maybe like I don't know. Boba Fett, I heard, wasn't, like, very well executed, and that kind of relied a lot on some, like, cheap action sequences. Like, that show could probably couldn't do, like, 50-minute episodes. I, I think if you take an approach... I, I, when we did our review of Book of Boba Fett, I was like, this should have been, like, The Godfather, like, Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. This should have been, like, Mafia, like, on Tatooine, like, Boba Fett being a badass. And it just wasn't that. And I think you, you could... There is a way to do it. But I, but I also mm. get what you're saying that like a lot of it depends on what you're doing with Star Wars that it does rely on that action that is a very different style has become its own genre per se, whereas this yeah. to its core is a war story is political intrigue it's like very like political thriller esque almost where it does work very well so I don't I don't know I could see it going both ways but I don't know if it's the it's this way or the highway. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I I think uh, I think it could work if they change approach on on other shows. Like, I feel like Mandalorian and Boba Fett, they almost feel like they need an action sequence in each episode. And like, same, I feel like same thing for Obi Wan. Um, I think if they change their approach and dragged it, I think they sometimes underestimate fans too, and they like feel like the fans want an action sequence every episode. I feel like they would have to change a lot of the formatting, but it it could work for other star wars shows i just don't know at this point if they can like change course on the shows they already started mm-hmm. yeah i feel that I, I even even something with i i think that other shows can take notes from the show though take for sure notes. they don't have take notes mm-hmm. they don't need to, they don't need to adapt fully to the style but i think this was definitely a positive shift and a very uh refreshing shift for disney plus shows in general um unfortunately i don't know if they will be taking notes from this show because mm-hmm. i think that the viewership wasn't as high as they expected it to be I, I feel like i saw a few headlines that you know they pushed i think they released Andor on hulu too to try to get more people to watch it um and like abc and like a couple cable networks yeah which which is unfortunate because you know it, it was great <laughs> i mean i think i could speak for the three of us that we we all really enjoyed it um so it sucks that it didn't get the viewership that uh, other shows are getting. But I think their approach is like, oh, we're gonna give this huge character that we know fans like, and like people will watch it no matter what, even if it's short and like there's not really a story through line, and like that hasn't really worked for both Star Wars and other franchises. Where this like probably didn't get make them as much money, but every, most people who liked it who watched it enjoyed it um so i think it's like they're gonna have to figure out a way to balance both um or like i feel like mandalorian does something kind of different where it created a character who now everyone like really loves so that's kind of separate yeah there's there's definitely no one right way to go about it Mm -hmm. i think it's just the bandwidth of them being able to put out shows like this too like this definitely took had to have taken twice as long <clears throat> as like Book of Boba Fett or some of the other shows, like just the the time it took to not not even just like the CGI and action sequences were which were top tier, I feel like compared to a lot of these other shows, but like the writing too and making sure that's all like just investing time into that aspect of a show, which I don't know. I think some of the like the the cheaper adaptations might not be putting as much time into. 
because they yeah. know it's going to make money if it's got Boba Fett on there or Obi Wan. It's exactly, and that's the <laughs> business model, and it, that's what works. Like you got, you gotta, you gotta respect it. You gotta respect the the grind. I guess yeah. <laughs> at, at the end of the day, it is a business. I guess it is a business, and the Disney Empire. <laughs> that is just like the funny irony of like how anti-fascist and like anti-like capitalist this show is. And it was produced by Disney. Like, <laughs> like they're they're just like yeah, write your silly little political drama or whatever, and they're like just like like making it all about. <laughs> oh man, no, but over overall, very very much enjoyed this show. What was not expecting it to be like this when it, when it was first announced. Uh, I mean, it was probably my least anticipated star Wars show when they announced it years ago, but now it's up there, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, um, I do still stand by the fact that why does every show need to be named after a character? Like did, this did not have to be named Andor. He was kind of the main <laughs> character, but like, it, I don't know. So much other stuff went on that. I don't know that it had to be named Andor. And like, I think that lessened my excitement for it because I didn't really care about him before. Um, but I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I know, uh, Jake, you've heard me like way before this show, even mm-hmm. the trailers came out. I was like, Andor, who cares about Andor? <laughs> like, why do I care about this side character <laughs> in Rogue One? Maybe that was the plan. Maybe that was the plan. That's how they kept everybody's expectations low. They were just like, nobody's gonna know, remember who this guy is. They have no idea what's coming, and then I love that subverted though. our expectations because. L- yeah. When you finished Rogue One for the first time, were you ever like, that guy needs a show? Cassie Nandor no, needs no. a show. Like You're just like, he's pretty solid, but like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You're not like, can't wait for the prequel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the prequel to the prequel uh, anthology. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, this was this was good, though. Uh, going, I, will, I do want, going all the way back to the beginning of the episode, though, um, I would probably say my actually my favorite Disney era Star Wars project is probably Clone Wars, to be honest though. Oh, Clone Wars season seven only though. Clone Wars season seven. Oh, I don't agree with that. Only the last four episodes are good. No, I like the Bad Batch arc. Honestly, Rebels could could possibly be my favorite too. I like Rebels more than most. Rebels is really good too. <laughs> Ty, have you seen Rebels and Clone Wars? No, I watched the Clone Wars show as a kid when it was like on Cartoon Network. But I never, I've probably seen half of it. Okay. And I've been meaning to get back into it. I think I watched a little bit of Bad Batch. Like I watched like two or three episodes. I was like, oh, this is fun. But like, but yeah, it's on my list. It's on my list. You should definitely watch Clone Wars. The first few seasons are not that great, but it gets very good in like seasons three and four. Yeah. Yeah. The same way, the same way that Andor like, breaks past all of that like the traditional jedi sith stuff and like really digs deep into what's going on actually in the universe clone wars does that for everything what it does it for the jedi wow. does it for the sith does it for the banking and political stuff <laughs> the the droids get their own episodes yeah some of it is nuts like, some little frog like, dude <laughs> it really some of is, it is nuts some of that yeah it's it's bananas like darth maul the clones too, get right? like, darth he maul own, too like, he's yeah he's amazing in those shows the clones though. get so, their own yeah. episode the clones have so much depth after clone wars too yeah yeah you really yeah. care about the clones when when they pop up again but um yeah ty appreciate you coming on to express your your appreciation and love of andor and star wars we love talking star wars all the time 
Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah, appreciate you bringing yeah, popcorn thanks, as well. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, honestly, I wish it's you gone. Could, oh, I, I wish I we could have shared thing. it. <laughs> yeah. Here, take it. Watch out! But this this is the heist. This is the Aldani popcorn heist. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Well, Love it. this has been another episode of Popcorn Heist, the podcast. Join the heist. Join the heist.